Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. I'm Promise, and, and you're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into work, let's open up in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for today, and just thank you for coming into our midst and just never leaving, and just making work where you're here 24-7. Lord, I also just thank you for making we're able to get closer to you and that we're not separated by physical means. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, good morning. Welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you with us. And we are excited to continue our study in Romans. We're in chapter 13, and this morning we are going to reread the first 10 verses. So can I get a volunteer to to read that section, please. Sure, I will. All right, honey. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Amen. So, yes, or the last episode, we were focusing on the first verse, right? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And, Dean, you left us off with a thought. You mind repeating that for the listeners? No, thank you, because I wanted to jump in. Awesome. Well, then kick it off there, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my, my thought was the point to ponder is um, as we talk about um, obeying authorities and we 
consider who we are as Christians, those who have volunteered to be under the rule of Christ. Mm-hmm. So with the Holy Spirit, how would we grade our own personal obedience? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a great place for us to start always uh, when we look at anything, especially when we're considering others. Absolutely. And um, I know that if I'm honest with myself, I, I do not achieve the level I would like to in that area of my life. Uh, I guess it's a good thing because I have room to grow, <clears throat> which means it's not boring or dry. But mainly I wanted to, to, to kind of tie that into um, how I've always interpreted this section of Scripture. Um, we covered a lot last time. If I look at my notes um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sections, eight different sections of Scripture mm-hmm. we went into. And most of those were dealing with um, we obey authorities as long as it doesn't uh, cause us to be out of alignment with what God has commanded us to do or violate one of his laws or principles. Mm-hmm. But I always thought um, this applied more where Paul typically addresses things that are out of alignment to the people he's writing to mm-hmm. and he's bringing correction to those things. Um, so my understanding of this, this was the letter to Romans was written prior to him going to Romans and that it was, this section was written mostly because the, the new Christians um, were, were struggling with the Roman rule and really wanting to revolt from Roman rule. And this was an admonition against that, that, you know, you can rest in the authority of that, that God has placed authorities over us. And whether they're a godly authority or not, they're still placed over us. And it was a more of an overarching thought that he was trying to put there. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about that uh, in context of how we approached this the last time. Okay. So which, I love that. Thank you. And it brings us to the question I asked, which was, how did we get to this place? Right? We're having kings and rulers appointed over us. Because it's never how the Lord meant for it to happen. Right? You can look throughout the Old Testament, the right, the first five books of the of the Bible, the what's known as the Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, right? And yes, there was Moses, whom the Lord had chosen and appointed, but the Lord desired a personal, intimate, and deep relationship with every single person. Right? Yes. Okay. Well, certainly the elect at that time. Yes. Uh, because, so, he, because they were desiring a king because well, so other that's, countries had it. So he wasn't admonishing the to other you. countries for having kings. He was at wanting his people to not His have people, that. exactly. So we're skipping ahead a little bit because then after, after those first five books, right, we get the judges. Or we get the Joshua, then judges, right? But Joshua continued... I'll say the the Lord's uh, way, right, of, hey, here's the person I've appointed, if you will, right, um, to lead. But again, it was it was not so much to decree all the rulings, right? Everyone was supposed to seek the Lord for themselves. And you see that continued in the book of Judges, right? There was typically one person that was that appointed by the Lord to help point or direct the people to the Lord, to seek the Lord, to obey Him, and and everything that the Lord had pointed them. But and that, you hit the nail right on the head. 
We got there, and it's in 1 Samuel chapter 8, right? So if we could turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and if I could get a volunteer to read the first five verses. I'll do it. All right, Dean. Once everybody's ready. The first five verses of chapter eight. Yes. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel. And the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Okay. So a couple of points I want to bring out there with what we have been discussing in Romans. Right? The end of chapter 12 was about how we apply this, how we walk this out, right? And you can see here in Samuel... That his sons, whom he, he had appointed judges, did not follow in his ways. They did all these things that were against the Lord, right? They weren't living it out. And who noticed it? The people. The, the people. Elders. The people. The people noticed it. So as a result of that, <clears throat> and of course they knew Samuel was old, they said, hey, appoint us a king. So what's the solution to this problem? Exactly. Instead hmm. of seeking the Lord, as Samuel was there to help point them towards, they, in their own earthly, natural wisdom, said, we're going to have a king. We're going to be like everybody else. And of course, if you continue reading in chapter 8, um, Samuel was upset by this, and he sought the Lord on it. Right, The exact thing that they should have done seeking the Lord and even praying for Samuel's sons. They, Samuel did that. And of course the Lord said what he said, right? No, let them, let them appoint to them what they want. Give them what they want. Even the Lord clearly rejects it. Right? And he says, why? But then, so Samuel again is trying to, uh, I'll say reason with the people. And you, you see that in verse 11 through 18. What will a king do? Can I, get, can I get a volunteer to read that? Verses 11 through 18. Go ahead, promise. Of chapter 8? Yeah, First Samuel chapter 8, verses okay. 11 through 18, please. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over the thousands and captains over his fifties. He will, will, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your dyers to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and 
grain and vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And you take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your ship, sheep. You will be you will be his servants, and you will cry out in that day because your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Exactly. Where was any of the benefit to the people and anything? Of what Samuel stated. Nowhere. Nowhere. It was only take. And take some more. And give to someone else. And pay taxes. And take some more. <laughs> All right, exactly. And I'm, I'm going to make you, I'm going to charge you a tax. Mm-hmm. And give that to other people. Right? So even in reasoning with them, right, then it continues in verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no. But we will have a king over us that we may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out and fight before us and fight our battles. So Samuel went and repeated all these words to the Lord. Right? Let's look at that. They misappropriated what the, or misattributed and took what the Lord had actually done for them repeatedly throughout their entire history and put it on this person who they did not yet have yet. They did not have a king, but they were already attributing all these things that the Lord had done. To go out before them. And to go out before them and fight their battles, and all, right? And, and deliver them, which the Lord had spelled and out. And judge them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To this person. In this position that did not even exist. Because it already existed under God. Right? They rejected the Lord. You see it here. I'll say this is where it began. And it continued. Right? Just brother, go ahead. Just, um... Don't want to get too far off on a tangent, but there, it, as you're saying that, I think actually it began a step back, one more step back. Well, yes, to, to Eli, mm-hmm. because yes. here's Samuel who was given up by his parents or, or mm-hmm. surrendered uh, for the glory of God. Yes, by his parents to Eli to be brought up in mm-hmm. the things of God. But Eli's sons, Hophni and Phineas, Eli did not deal with his sons. Exactly, Samuel was not taught how to take care of his family. Not from a biblical perspective, at least in this way, because I think that's why Samuel's sons strayed, and Samuel was ill-equipped to deal with that. Which is, it's, it's just a thought to ponder. Yeah, I don't a, want to get too far perspective. off. Yeah. But more importantly, coming back to what's what we're doing right here in this moment today, um, um, you know, the listeners don't know, but um, neither one of my children are walking with the Lord, as it were, uh, raised in a, a private uh, Christian school, but not fundamentally uh, having Bible study and really living out the word at home. And so that was my failure in that. And of course I'm, I'm redeemed and covered by that. I don't carry that around in a bad way, but I share with it to encourage others that this is why what is happening here is so important and such an important model for what you do in your home about how you take God's word and then Dig into it. How do I actually live this out? How do I come to embed this 
as a solid foundational truth for everything else that I do in my life. And mm-hmm. it takes place within the home. Absolutely. And it is... Um, uh, you made comment about a listener saying something about my my vocabulary, but I think the word's appropriate. And y'all can look it up. This is arduous, right? Yes. This is not an it is not an easy task. It's not a complicated uh, task. It's simple, but it's still difficult to accomplish, and yes. it requires a deep, sincere commitment to it. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, that, going further down that tangent, I just mm-hmm. thought that's really important because Samuel really was not given the best example of how to be a father. By Eli, because Eli, in essence, was his father. Absolutely. But let's also recognize this fact. He has a heavenly father and the Holy Spirit to teach him and lead him and guide him in all things, as we all do. So whether we were given the perfect example in our lives or not, we still have the same Lord, Father, Savior, and Holy Spirit. Hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. to teach us, lead us, that's literally what Scripture says, into all truth. Which All goes, the truth. Which goes back to the point that I said, let's ponder. Exactly. Are, have we fully surrendered to the authority of Christ in our life through the Holy Spirit? Amen. Mm-hmm. And and why we're coming here is a, a number of different things, right? One, because you see Samuel's heart, right, as a judge, as a, a leader to the people, pointing them in the direction of the Lord. But also, if you continue in chapter 9, right, um, well, there was that last verse in 22, Uh, 8.22, the Lord said to Samuel, again he says to him, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city, right? In other words, he knew the Lord was going to provide. He was going to bring about what they asked for, which goes into, and we've brought this up quite a bit here recently, is about free will. It's not the Lord's best. This is never what the Lord designed or wanted for the people. But he allowed them to make the choice. And you still see that carried out even today. To this day, you're still seeing the, the fruit, repercussions, whatever consequences of that choice to this day. He didn't say, nope, nope, that's not it, and snatch it back from them. He, he allowed them to have the desires of their heart. But then I also want to bring this up, because we were talking about fulfilling the love commandment. We can all acknowledge Samuel was opposed, vehemently opposed to Israel having a king over them, right? Mm -hmm. He's already twice said, no, there's no need to do this. Like, let the Lord be king over you as he has been the whole time, Mm -hmm. right? But then if we continue, how does he treat Saul? He welcomes him, does he not? Mm Mm-hmm. He anoints him, right? And, and he loves him. He, he loves him, him. He prays for him. all these things, right? That is exactly what we were we were going and reading about what Paul was writing and describing to us at the end of chapter twelve, and um, in Romans chapter 12. in Romans chapter uh-huh. twelve, but also uh, in verses eight through ten, right? Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves has f- another has fulfilled the law. Right? Mm-hmm. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, as in verse 9. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you see this throughout Samuel and, and well, 
soon to be King Saul's relationship with each other. It was like a father to a son. Samuel was trying to teach him and point him in the good and right and perfect way and the will of the Lord and and help him understand and, and know and learn the, the deeper things about the Lord so he could walk that out. But Saul refused. Right? It's not on the, the parent if their child chooses not to follow the Lord. That's on that's a choice that every single person individually has to make. Right? Um so there's that. And and there was another part I wanted to bring up, and I have to find my place here. Um, and that was where Saul is coronated, right? Samuel, that's in uh, chapter 10. 1 Samuel 10, it begins in verse 22, right? That's where... Saul is about to be, his coronation is there. He's about to be crowned king. Um, in verse 25, it says, Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in the book and laid it up before the Lord. Um, sent all the people away, every man to his home. And then in chapter 12, Samuel addresses the people again. Right? Um, and he again exhorts them not to do this thing, right? And and he goes into exactly what they said, all the things that they had attributed, falsely attributed to this person in this place. He's going to go before, he's going to fight our battles. He's like, no, the Lord did all this. And you guys lost when you failed to follow him, when you rejected him. And, And why do I bring that? all this up, right? You still see it today, the rejection of the Lord. And I don't just mean about Israel. I'm talking about all of us. And let's also make it clear. The Lord is still king, mm-hmm. right? We were actually talking about this, you know, around the holidays. And I think we had this conversation yesterday. On Thanksgiving? Um, and Thanksgiving, yet yeah, we talked about. So oh, I was trying to find which holiday you were talking about. Oh, with Christmas coming up. Christmas, With okay. Christmas coming up about mm-hmm. the Lord is king, right? Mm-hmm. And the prophecy is given in Isaiah. He also, the Lord, makes it very plain to Mary, right? He says his, his kingdom will have no end. Amen. Right? And then let's also, right, where the holiday is coming up, and of course it's talking about Jesus, Okay. What was the sign put on the cross above him? What did it say? King of the Jews. He was the king of the Jews. So even though he had been rejected all the way back here and other times previously, but about a king, specifically about a king here, it made it very plain, right? There's the whole, that's your sign. Jesus is king of the Jews, and not just the Jews, but of all. He's king mm-hmm. of kings and lord of lords. Mm-hmm. You going to say something, brother? No, no, I was just thinking, it wasn't just written in one language, three. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, so, he was king of all. King of kings and lord of lords. Right, that's, mm-hmm. that's in Revelation. But then let's also consider this. 
because Revelation also tells us that we, and Peter says this too, I believe, um, we are a kingdom, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? We are kings and priests in Christ. Mm-hmm. So this is not just the kings and kingdoms of the earth. He's, it's a kingdom of kings and priests, him being the king of kings and our high priest. Forever. <laughs> Forever, for eternity, exactly, which is amazing. Um, which we already brought this up in the previous podcast, right? By the Proverbs 8.15, by me kings reign mm-hmm. and rulers enact just laws. Mm-hmm. By him, not by our own means and, and merit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that gives authority, right? Um, mm-hmm. You brought up Daniel, uh, honey, right? Daniel 4, 7. The decision is the decree of the watchers, the verdict declared by the holy ones, so that the living will know that the Most High rules over the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whomever he wishes, setting over it the lowliest of men. Right? But then let's also look at this, right? Because part of what we're talking about here is submitting to authority. We all are supposed to submit to authority of governments. First and foremost is the Lord and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've made that point very clear. And I'll give you the two more examples. The first being Jesus, of course. Right? We're talking about Christmas, talking about the reason for his birth that we are celebrating and and others are rededicating or, um, yeah, as a rededication, like with Hanukkah, right? Um, to following the Lord, right? Jesus submitted to government. Why? Oh, sorry. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says what? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, did I say 12 too? I meant 13 too. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, you did. I'll get it together. That's okay. Have the mind of Christ. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Mm. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Okay. So I want to bring that up for this first example, and that is Jesus. In John nineteen eleven, Jesus is brought before Pontius Pilate. And what does he say? The decision, oh, sorry, no. Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. You see that the whole fulfillment right there. Jesus submitted to the authority of the Father. Mm -hmm. As a result, he knew the plan, right? And knew the will of the Lord. He submitted to it. So even when he was brought before the government, he didn't resist. He didn't reject his standing, his authority, his rules, his decree. He went along with it, as it were. He submitted to it, already knowing the outcome and his point and his purpose, right? He said, for this very reason... Uh, have come here for this hour, right? Mm. So, knowing the outcome. Now, I'll, I'll bring this up. I'll give you another example, which is similar. 
And that's in this in Second Kings, the first chapter. And some may recognize this. And it deals with Elijah. And Elijah, they're trying to capture him. And they send a captain of 50 people. Now, it's a very interesting, um, very interesting situation and chapter. Because the first two times that it happens, right, we have to look at some things. One, what happened? He was acknowledged as a man of God. But these were clearly people in opposition. Right? Opposition, but coming with, quote-unquote, authority. Coming with authority. However, whose authority are we as Christians, as believers, as the body and bride of Christ first submitted to? God's. God's. So, in verse 10, what does he say? If I am a man of God... Then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. <coughs> and then there was a second group. Yes? Mm-hmm. And did not the same thing happen? It did. Okay. So what happened on the third time? The captain got wise. And what happened? What did he say? He fell on his knees and entreated him. <laughs> he humbled himself and respected the authority of God first. And then... In verse 15, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 15, what happened? An angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. He was instructed, Elijah was instructed to go down with him, not to be afraid. Mm -hmm. So what did he do? He arose and... He was obedient. He was obedient, not to the instruction given by man, but to the Lord's instruction. Isn't that the same thing that Jesus did? Mm -hmm. Why? Because there was a point and a purpose and an outcome. Right? Yeah. And uh, Well, we, and there's God's purpose. That's what I'm talking about. Outcome. Not, okay. not man's and purpose. And his appointed time. And exactly. his appointed time. Exactly. Exactly. We should be in, so in tune with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, that we're only saying what he says to say, doing what he says to do, and how he says to do it mm -hmm. in his perfect will is his perfect timing, mm -hmm. right? His, his perfect will includes his plan and his timing for the plan, mm -hmm. not our own. Amen. Right? Yes. And that is what submission looks like, right? We as individuals have an inherent responsibility to first submit to God mm -hmm. and then in that, that includes everything that the Lord has for us in his plan, regardless of how it appears on the surface mm -hmm. or how it looks, right? Amen. That's what submitting to God looks like and to governments, mm -hmm. right? And, and what was the, the first part of there in uh, 13 verse 2, right? Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. Exactly. If we're resisting the Lord's authority and we're resisting, ultimately, the Lord makes it very, very plain, whether we're resisting him or we're resisting rulers that he's appointed that are 
and you see that in verse three, right? Submitted to him that are being just, right? In other words, not getting us, not putting us in a place where we are have the, uh, I'll say, trying to mandate or force us to go against God and what he has commanded us, right? Mm-hmm. If he equates that with resisting him, the Lord. So we need to be mindful that we're not resisting or rejecting God, but submitting to him. We all, that's every person, right? We just said he appoints the lowly, right? As kings. Didn't he not say that about himself? Jesus did. Mm -hmm. But I am lowly and humble in spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why? Because he was walking and fulfilling the love commandments. Does no harm to a neighbor. But looks out for others. Is compassionate. And all the other things that we were reading about in uh, at the end of Romans chapter 12. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? All right, well, let's pause there for today because I know it's a lot, um, <laughs> a lot for everyone to search through and, and of course, to let the Holy Spirit minister. And if there are any questions or other conversation, um, just how, or you want to share how this ministered to you, share a praise or, um, report or, or, have something you want us to stand with you in prayer on. You know, please reach out. You can contact us through our website, adayofprayer.org, or you can email us directly at adayofprayer@yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect with you and just hear what the Lord's doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. All right. Who's going to close out in prayer, please? I am. All right, Layla. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for today and for being our King, Lord, and for being our Lord, Lord. And we just thank you for your divine authority, Lord, the people that you have placed in authority over us, God. We pray over them now, Lord, and we plead the blood of Jesus over them, God, and we lift them up to you, Lord, for you're the only one who can truly care for them, Lord. And we ask that your grace and the same mercy that you applied to us be applied to them today, God, and for the rest of the days that they walk out before you, God. We ask that you will open their eyes of their hearts, Lord, and the ears of their hearts and their understanding, God, that they come and acknowledge you, Lord, and they see you for who you are, God, and they turn from their ways and they serve you with their hearts, God. And we thank you for those that are already saved, Lord, and our partners and our listeners, God. And we ask that you will continue to bless them, Lord, and continue to guide them, Lord, as they walk out their days before you as well, God. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.